moment. I want to say, first of all, on behalf of our family, thank you so much for the love, the support, loyalty, faithfulness that you have to your pastor. He may be my younger brother, but he's a pretty good guy. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise for your pastor today. That's fantastic. God's good. And I want to say thank you for the way you showed up for us. You prayed for us, the cards. Um, I was just amazed at how many of you had the opportunity to meet just a few weeks ago at my father's funeral, and I appreciate uh, the church being more than a building that we come to for a couple of hours throughout the week. It's a family that does what the Bible says. When the Bible says, hey, there's something to celebrate, we all celebrate it together. When the Bible says there's a hard time to go through, we have another shoulder that we're able to lean on and to be able to count on each other. And this church proved it's more than just a building with a name on the outside of it. It's a group of people who understand that no one is perfect. We all stand before God forgiven, those that are willing to accept it. And we're going to go through ups and downs in our lives. Amen? Amen. Numbers 13 this morning, if you would, please. I want to jump right on in. Numbers chapter number 13. Uh, I'm not going to preach extremely deep and overwhelming. I promise. It's just not the way I understand it. Uh, I remember when they started making crown boxes for school. Some kids would get the 24 colors in a box. Other kids would get like the 56 or the 90 plus box. I still operate on the eight color system, right? I need the basic. You got a black, a blue, an orange, a purple. Nowadays, you open up a box of crowns, it's like, you know, a fruit basket. You got tangerine. You got all kinds of banana colors and things. Uh, I keep it simple. It's the only way my mind can understand it. And so I'll just read it, what it says. We'll let the Bible do the preaching for us this morning. But I do believe that we fail to grasp uh, a valuable lesson that God wants for us when we just read words. Now, the Bible is quick and powerful. It's alive. The Bible says it's sharper than any sword. It'll pierce all the way down to the deepest parts of your darkest secrets on the inside of your life if you'll let it. So we can read the Bible. We can say it together, uh, but it won't do us any good till we apply it in our lives. And I'm hoping this morning that you'll hear some of the people from way back then are dealing with the same struggles today. Numbers chapter 13. If you found it in your Bible already this morning, say Amen. I think we'll throw that prayer on the screen. I'm going to go with verse number one, and uh, I'm just going to read it to you the way it is for me, and then I know you guys are going to help me right here, right? Very easy right here. The Bible says, and the Lord spake or said unto Moses. Read that with me out loud. The Lord now said to Moses, who is doing the talking? The Lord. The Lord. All right, church, everybody help me out. That's the way it goes faster, all right? Who's doing the talking? The Lord's doing the talking. Moses is doing the listening right here. It's pretty simple. Uh, I'm going to keep on going for just a moment, but let me just paraphrase it for the sake of time. God said, hey, we've been coming across the desert for a long time so I could teach you some valuable lessons. We had to do things like let manna rain down from the sky, let water come from a rock, not to mention the fact that we watched Pharaoh's army get drowned in the Red Sea just a couple chapters before. And now after this long journey of about a year plus time, we are standing on the edge of the promised land. It's right there in front of you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick us 12 guys, and we're going to send 12 guys into the land I brought you. This is God's strategy. God always has a plan. Say that with me, church. God always has a plan. There's a strategy always in place. Your life may be total chaotic this morning. Your life may be undefined by boundaries or parameters, and you think that you're spiraling out of control. You think that the strings have been cut to the cord, and that all you're doing is just free-falling down to the ground. God still has a plan. And that's where you get to live. You can live in his perfect plan where God gives you second chances to get things right after you blew it the first time. Or you can live in his permissive plan. And this is where God's allowing you to go to. You realize you're not going to go very far until you get back on the right track with God again. That's where it is. God said, here's my plan for you. Here's the strategy for you. Give me 12 guys. Go scope this land out. Come back and tell everybody what they're up against, what they face, and what they're about to inherit. If you read the rest of the verses in this chapter, that's exactly what he says. So they send the 12 guys in. Seven days passes, 14 days passes, 21 days passes. Now people start to wonder, wait a minute, we sent some guys into that land. What happens if they're all dead? 
What happens if they've all been captured? What happens if they, they just decided never to come back? I mean, we need to know what's going on. So a little bit of fear comes into their place. I love the song that we just sang. It's just a matter of time. These people were waiting and waiting. And sometimes we're like, God, I want to pray at the altar on Sunday morning. And I'd like an answer before I make it back to my chair, before I leave church today, before I make it back out there to my car. I want you to work out all these problems. I want you to handle all these issues. Sometimes it just takes some time to wait. God teaches us some valuable lessons in the waiting period. Some of you this morning may be waiting for God to show up. You may be waiting for God to give you an answer. You may be waiting for God to heal or redeem or restore. Some of you this morning may be in that waiting period and you're like, man, it feels like it's been a long time. How much longer do I have to wait? The Bible tells me specifically 40 days after they sent those 12 spies into the land, they came back. And when they came back, it was a sight to see. I mean, you had 12 guys, but they, they came back with a whole lot more than they left with. You've got a couple of guys standing here, and they've got like this pole going between their shoulders, and hanging off to this pole are these cluster of grapes with a gigantic size of basketballs. And you're like, preacher, I, I don't really realize. The Bible says that the cluster, that's just the little bitty things that we go buy out of a plastic bag down there at the grocery store from time to time. The cluster was so heavy, it had to be carried between two men on a pole. And here they come back, and that's just part of what's to see. There's treasures, there's linens, there's all kinds of, of amazing things. And the first thing out of their mouth is, guys, this land is everything God told us it was going to be, and then some. It truly is a, man, a land that flows with blessings like Milk and honey, I can't even compare it to you. It's what they said this morning. And the people get excited. Man, we like it when God gives us good news. We like it when God shows up in a big way for us. And then these 12 men continue to keep talking. Sometimes, if you had to learn a valuable lesson this morning, sometimes it's good for you just to say what God asked you and then be quiet. Don't keep talking. You ever had a teenager come into your room? How many of you are parents? Let me see your hand. Hold it up high. Good, 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 good. Now, you, you testify with me this morning. You ever had one of those conversations with your kids that kind of turns into like an interrogation, yes or no? Has that ever happened to you? You ask them just a simple, innocent question, and once their mouths start talking, you start finding out a whole lot of information you did not know was coming. Is that true or false? I mean, do you interrupt them? No, 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 son. Listen, for your own judgment. Now, I know some parents try to run referee. You can tell that mama ain't getting happy with the answer she's getting or daddy ain't getting happy with the answer she's getting. So you're kind of, that's, that's good, that's enough. No, 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 no. You're like, just keep it coming. Keep letting me know all the things you've been doing because that's not even what we were in here to talk about. Well, that's what these 12 guys do. Hey, the land's everything God said it would be. A period right here would have been wonderful. But no, no, no. Now I've got to add my opinion. Can I tell you something? Unless God asks you what you think, nobody else did either. Unless God came to you and said, hey, how are you feeling? What do you think about this situation? Right here on this first verse. We haven't made it very far, have we? On the first verse, who is doing the talking? The Lord. the Lord. He's the one that's always been doing the talking. These people are supposed to come back and say, you know what? God said this, and he was right. God said, this was how it was going to be. This was how it was going to work out. And he was right. If I keep going in my Bible, the Bible says just a few more down. I want you to send these men into the land of Canaan. And then he says two valuable, verses, uh, two valuable words in verse number two. He says, I'm going to send these men into the land of Canaan because this is the land that I am. What's this word right here on your screen and in your Bible? God, who's doing the talking? The Lord God, right? He says, Moses sent 12 men because this is the land I am. What's the word? Not I might, not we'll see. Uh, Josh told you, he told you a lot of stories about our family growing up. There's an there's a underlying truth, 100 million percent in this thing. If you ever asked mom or dad if you could do something, if the answer wasn't yes, it didn't matter what else they said, it always meant no. 
If my dad said, we'll see, that's a no. If my dad said, maybe later, that's a no. If my mom speaks up and says, I don't know, let me go talk to your dad, that's also a no. Unless the answer is immediately yes, the answer was always a nicer way of saying what? No. Okay, well, this isn't one of those confusing things you got to solve and figure out. Right here, God said, Moses sent 12 guys because I am, what's the word? Right here. I'm giving you. This land's yours. You get it. Here come the 12 guys. They've got the cluster of grace between them. This is ma- amazing, magnificent. Everybody's super excited because God said this was the plan. But then they keep talking. Jump on down in your Bible, if you would, please. Around verse number 25. 25, 27, 28, 29. We'll, we'll try to read around in here for just a little bit, okay? The Bible says this. They returned from searching land after 40 days. Verse number 27 they told him, Moses and all the people, we came to this land you sent us to. Man, it was. It's full of milk and honey. Verse number 28, a problem starts. Instead of a period, let me tell you what we think. Let me tell you what we saw. Let me tell you my opinion. Let me tell you how I feel. All of these things are dangerous. If any of these things are opposite from who started the conversation in the first place. In verse number one, who was doing the talking? Now, if you start saying anything in contradiction to what the Lord told you in verse number one, you're starting a problem in your own, listen to me, you're starting a problem in your own life. We live in a society today where we play the blame game on everybody else. It's everybody else's fault. It's because everybody else caused me to or made me or they, I didn't have any choice. I was forced to. I haven't, listen, in the Bible, they've been doing the same thing. In the Bible, God said, this is what I want you to do. All you got to do is go do what God said to do. End of story. This could have been a super short chapter. Twelve guys went into the land. They came back and said, it's awesome. Let's go. That's not what happened. We got to keep writing words because now we're going to start talking. Nevertheless, listen, God said it's a great land, but I need you to understand something. When we got to this awesome land, when we got to this land that flows with milk and honey, there are some gigantic cities in this land. And around those gigantic cities are giant walls around that land. And then when we saw beyond the walls of these giant cities, the people that live there, they're huge. They're giants. And if you jump all the way down to verse 31, 32, and 33 in your Bible, it says, look, we saw these guys when we matched ourselves up toe-to-toe to them. And he keeps saying it over and over again. Let me read it to you just, just word for word what it is for me, okay? I know it'll pop up there on the screen for you as well. It says, the men that live inside these cities in verse number 31, we are not able to go up against these men. We can't do it. We can't go fight this battle. You don't understand. I'm trying to describe to you. It's kind of like uh, uh, the biggest guy in the church. Did I hear that somebody in this room is like six foot plus forever? What was it like? Stand up for me, big guy. Would you do that? Actually, come on down here. Real quick. All the way down the stage. That'd be fantastic. That'd be good. My brother that gave the word this morning. Right there he is. Coming right in. What's his name, Josh? Come on up here, Zach. I told you I got to see it to believe it, right? Zach, you got one job. Are you going to do whatever I tell you to do? Are you going to help me? Ah, what a kid. This kid, I don't know who he is. All right, here it is. It's pretty simple, all right? It makes sense. I'm not going to give you a difficult conversation. It's not going to be a tough task. It's not going to be anything like that at all. It's pretty simple, all right? You ready? I want you to throw him off the stage. Actually, I just want you to go push him six inches. Could you do that? Probably. Do you want to even give it a try in front of all of these people who are watching you? What's the first thought comes in your head? Be honest. Just tell me the truth. You see you. You see him. What's the first thought you're thinking right now? He's going to throw me. He's going to what? Throw me. Throw you. (laughs) 
could you throw him? How, the question then becomes, how many rows, right? How far could you throw it? Could you make it to the balcony today? That would be good. <laughs> See, right now, just the first one. Now look, so look, come stand side by side, right here with me, okay? That's great this morning. Twelve guys go in. When they come back, they're like, man, the land is awesome. There's giant cities. And when you get past those giant cities, there's, no offense, giants in this land. <laughs> All we keep seeing is starting to play into our head and get itself down into our heart to where we see giants. And the word that the Bible uses that they said they used to describe themselves is we are but little bitty, teeny, tiny. Do you know the word? What was it? Grasshoppers. Thank you. What was your name? Zach. Zach, good help. I appreciate you. What was your name? Cole. Cole, thank you, buddy. I'm sorry y'all had to just come up here for that. Helps me see it. Helps me see it. Because the average person in the Bible would say, oh, but yeah, but, but God's got this thing. Sure he does. To your Zach standing in front of Cole. And you come back, you people aren't understanding me. Yeah, there's giant grapes. There's treasures beyond anything I can tell you about. But what I keep seeing are these huge, gigantic, massive impossibilities. There are huge impossibilities in God's way for us. They say that right there in the Bible. The first thing we're going to come up against is, this, is these giant cities with giant walls. And if you keep studying your Bible, one of the first ones they come up to is, the, we sang about it this morning, the walls of Jericho. Now, the Bible says, and I, I know Josh says I'm just about done, but when I say I'm just about done, mine's only like 10 minutes, all right? That's where we are, okay? This message is so straightforward, it's not hard. It says, we saw cities. We saw giants. We are not able to go into this land. We can't do it. There are impossibilities nobody imagined if we go into this land. Everybody in this room is tasked with a supernatural journey where God said, this is the way of man. I've got something better planned for you. And when you start down this journey, it's not going to make a lot of sense to you. And when you start down this journey, since it's not the way of the world, trust me when I tell you, you're going to come up against some walls. Any of you ever felt like you've been hitting your head on a wall? Yes or no? Any of you have been felt like God keeps saying go, but all you have is obstacle after obstacle after obstacle? Has that ever happened to anybody else in this room? Yes or no? Okay, there are lots of impossibilities in our life, and that's what's right here in the Bible. There are walls, great walls. And if by chance we get beyond these great walls, let me tell you what we saw next. There are gigantic individuals. I don't know about you, but my whole life I felt like I've always been facing giants. Sometimes my giants don't have faces, though. They don't have ten fingers and ten toes. Sometimes it could be the giant of loneliness, I remember a season in my life where I had a lot of love to give somebody, and I got so desperate for that love to be able to give to somebody, I would have taken anybody, just anybody, out of desperation. That's not always God's plan for you. That's where trouble starts to happen in my life. I can remember gigantic seasons of being depressed, just a sadness that won't go away. Do I consider myself blessed? Yes, I'm blessed. Do I consider myself successful? Yes, I consider God's successes in my life. But at the same time, where's this joy and happiness? I can remember going through the store or even pulling up to red lights and seeing people smiling or singing and thinking in my heart, why is that missing? There's these giants of depression loneliness. There's giants of anger and bitterness where I've tried to do right and things always seem to go wrong. It's giant after giant after giant. There's all kinds of individuals who will come up against us. That ever happened to you? Yes or no? Some of you probably are facing a giant or two today. David ran off the top of the mountain and he came down to Goliath. But the Bible finds it very important to tell us that even after Goliath fell, he had some brothers. 
And I promise you, when they saw their hero, their big brother Goliath, go down in the valley, they didn't all of a sudden start loving David. They wanted him dead. You conquer one giant, some of the other ones will become empowered by the giants that you just knocked down in your life. And especially if you're going to try to dedicate your life to doing something big for the Lord, just accomplishing his strategy and his plan, there's going to be all kinds of impossibilities in front of you. There's going to be all kinds of individuals. Walking around with your earth eyes, all you're going to do is be able to see like Cole did right in front of us, that gigantic guy. There he was. I can't push him. If I can't push him, if I can't move him, all I saw, let me tell you, when he stood up and started coming up that stage, all I saw was if I try anything, hurt. Hurt. He can hurt me. Now, I might be alone in this, but I don't like it when I get hurt. Do you? I feel like sometimes we look forward to the path God has for us and it almost feels like sticking a fork in a like socket. I don't like how this is going to feel. I don't like what this is going to do to me. And so in an effort to not have to go through the pain, I would rather just avoid it altogether. So here's my final judgment. I can't do this. God said, man, I want you to push the coal off. I want you to push coal off the stage. God, I can't. Look at him. God, do you not see what I see? Because we all in this room saw the difference in height. We saw the difference in size. We saw the difference in strength. There's no way. Big man down here should have been able to throw big man off of this stage. It just can't be. My eyes won't let me do that. However, there's a man that came back with those 12 spies named Caleb in verse number 30. And Caleb says the same thing they do, but he's not talking about the same people they are. Here we go. You still with me, yes or no? Oh, y'all falling asleep. You balcony, you still with me, yes or no? Yeah. All right, here we go. Listen. Here's what the Bible says. Caleb, in verse number 30, tells the people to shh. Y'all getting all worked up. Are there cities in this land? Yes. Oh, yes. Are there gigantic giants in this land? Yes, absolutely. But do you know what the guy's biggest problem was? It wasn't the impossibility. The pr biggest problem wasn't the individual. The biggest problem was the identity they had of themselves. The biggest problem is we can't do it because we're grasshoppers. We can't do it because we're not strong enough. We can't do it. We're not smart enough. We can't do it. We're not wealthy enough. We can't do it. I know what God wants, but it's impossible. We can't do it. And Caleb says, shh, shh. What are you talking about? We need to go right now. Let us go at once to this land. Y'all have had so much other talking going on, so much commotion going on. You're looking at giant walls. You're looking at giant giants. Now you're looking at yourself as this teeny tiny little bitty grasshopper. Stop all this talking. We can go conquer the city. We can go conquer the giants. We can go conquer the land. Do you see it in the last line of that verse? Yes or no? So I guess the question comes down to one thing. In everybody's life, we have massive impossibilities. In everybody's life, there are going to be gigantic individuals or obstacles in our life coming against us. Those will cause us to start questioning our identity. Nobody. Church, I'm finished. I am finished, finished. Nobody has disappointed me more, hurt me more, caused me more tears, shame, embarrassment, disgust than the image I see in my mirror looking back at me many times. And sometimes because of that image, looking back at me, I remember where he was, what he said, and what he's done. And it becomes a handicap to me on doing anything else. 
How can God use something so broken? How can God use something so messed up? How can God use somebody with so many mistakes like that guy right there? Because I can't even face him. I can't tell you how many times I haven't even been able to make contact with my own eyeballs in a reflection looking back at me because there's no lies that can be told. There's no deception that'll make this any better. I know, and that guy knows where we are and who we've been. And my identity keeps back him says, Shh, Matt, Matt, you forget who started the conversation in chapter 13, verse number one. Who's doing the talking? But somewhere along the journey, your we did not include him anymore. We saw walls. We saw giants. In our own sight, we were grasshoppers. And Caleb says, you must be talking about a whole different we. Because in my place, we can go conquer the city. Because God said, I'm giving it to you. So who's in your we? Is it you and everybody else that's going to agree with you? This is too big, too much, too hard? Or is it just going to be you and God? Joshua is in this conversation. He hears these 10 guys talking about how awesome the, it could be, but it's impossible. And years later, there's a conversation where a bunch of people come up there and they knock on his door. Joshua goes and answers his door. What can I do for you? We got a problem. Whole lot of people want to start doing things a little bit differently. I mean, there's like, it's like a growing majority. Joshua, we want to know what you're going to do. And Josh steps out on his doorway and he says this. Listen, listen, I've already been here once before. There were 12 men that came back from the promised land that God said, I'm going to give to you. And 10 of those jokers kept on talking about what we couldn't do, what we couldn't conquer, what we couldn't accomplish. And as a result, they had to have funeral after funeral after funeral for 40 years. They never got to go into the land. But here I stand, and I'm going to tell you, if it sounds like a bad idea for you, if it sounds like a bad idea for you to do what God's told you to do, if it sounds like a bad idea for you to choose to love the Lord today, if it sounds like a bad idea for you to talk to God today, if it sounds evil for you and bad for you to pick God first and foremost in your life today, then you go do you. If it's a bad idea, if it sounds in your head, in your ears and down in your heart, like it's a bad idea for you to pick God, then you go do you. But as for me and my house... As for me and my house, our we includes him. The steps of my life, the journey of my life, my we will never just be us and them. It must always be me and him. I remember sometimes, a long time ago, you stand in front of a teacher or whatever, and you're like, we're not going to do this. We're going to do that. And they say, who's your we? You got a mouse in your pocket? Because most of the time in our life, it feels like it's just us all alone. Or everybody else is in agreement, this is what must be done. Church, I know you have impossibilities in front of your face. Ma'am, sir, I know you face individuals you can't conquer. And if you let them stand in front of you long enough, they will re-identify who you are in the eyes of God. The fearfully, wonderfully made will start to believe a lie. The created in the image of God will start to accept defeat before you've even suited up for battle. 
And you will let society dictate to you what your boundaries are. You will let the world tell you what you can and can't do. And the voice that started speaking to you in the very beginning of the conversation will long since be forgotten. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to give you this land. There never was a doubt until the wrong we got involved. It must be you and Jesus. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today, please? I've said all that there is that the Lord's laid on my heart to say to you. I've shared with you the truth of my own struggle. Sometimes I'm considering myself to be part of a group that God isn't there to be found. Not because he left me, not because he abandoned me, not because he turned his back on me, because I stopped listening to him. May I ask you just a couple of questions? No need to lie, we're in church, let's be honest. How many of you this morning can relate to what I'm saying? You've got some possibilities in front of you that make it very difficult to keep taking the next step right now. You've got some giants in front of you that are very big, that seem to be stronger and more powerful than in your own strength you feel right now. How many of you right now in this room today feel like you are facing some impossible odds or some very strong impossible individuals? Could I see your hand? Would you hold it up high? Yeah, preacher, it's me. It's me. I know what God wants for me, but pastor, this morning, it's hard. It's tough. You can put your hands down. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask you the same question, the same exact question. Who is in your we? With the impossibilities you just admitted that you face, with the individuals you just admitted that are standing in front of you, is God in front of you, behind you, on either side of you, above you, and beneath you? Is God on your team? What we need to do today is say, Lord, I will walk with you. God, I will do as Jesus commanded and follow behind you. But Lord, if you command me to go, I will go. There's some anxiety. Sometimes there's some fear. Definitely a history of failure. The Bible said we're not going to be much good going forward to the kingdom of God if we keep looking over our shoulder of where we've come. No man, no man could plow a straight line if his head's looking over his shoulder the whole time he's doing it. So if you're going to take that step forward, if you're going to face that wall, if you're going to come toe-to-toe with that giant, you're going to be a whole lot better shape if God is with you than you being without him. May I ask you one question, one last question, and then I want to give you an opportunity just to come pray and have a conversation with God today. Nobody's going to bother you. Nobody's going to whisper in your ears and pull you down to the altar. They're just not going to do that day. It's just an opportunity for you to come say, Lord, I get the point. The wall's still going to be there tomorrow, just like it was this morning, just like it was yesterday. But Lord, we're going to go forward. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it with you. Lord, the giant, one after another, one after another, is always going to be face them one at a time if you'll go with me every step of the way. Last question I want to ask, is there anybody in the room, guy or girl, man or woman, regardless of season of life, is there anybody in here who would still say, preacher, I've got somebody in my family Somebody that's very close to me. I love them dearly, but I know this morning that person is in need of God. That person needs a relationship with God. That person needs to be saved. That person needs Jesus. They matter to me. I love them so much, but I know they need him today. How many of you have somebody like that in your life you're praying for right now? Can I see your hand? Would you hold it up high? I know they need Jesus. It's not a doubt. It's not a maybe. I know they need him. Good. Then you've got something to pray about. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Everybody, everywhere in the whole room. Just stand up right where you are. This is the part of the service where it's nobody's business. Doesn't even matter. Full house, lots of people everywhere, tight space to be able to walk. It still matters what you're about to do between you and God today. Somebody asked you to close your eyes. Just close them for a second. You raised your hand. You said you face your impossible odds. 
you raised your hand, you said you faced these individual giants. You raised your hand, you said, I know somebody I need to pray for right now. That was all you admitted to in church today. Now's the time for us to pray. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask, if you're in that balcony, I want you to stand all, I want you to come forward and kneel all the way around that glass, right? Just come stand right around that glass. You don't even have to come all the way down those stairs. If you're down here on this floor, I just want you to step forward. If you raise your hand, we're going to count it down. I'll say three, two, one in just a moment. I want you to take a couple steps forward, find you a spot where you can get away from everybody else, alone between you and God, and say, Lord, I want you to be part of my we. I want it to be you and I. If it's only you and I, we can do this. If it's you and I, we can conquer that. If it's you and I, we can defeat that. If it's you and I, I'll take the next step tomorrow. Ready? So if you raise your hand, I'm going to count them down. Three, two, one. I want you to just take a couple steps out. Let's get along with God and pray.